Well, good morning. Welcome to wet February. How many of you have already started praying for rain? Nope. Gary's got a fence to put up or uh, some cement work to do. Oh my goodness. There are so many things that we need to do. There are so many things that we would like to do. There are so many things that we feel challenged as to whether we can do. And that is an illustrious introduction into the passage y'all have been waiting for since we started the book of Philippians years ago. We are finally there. Why the title All In in studying the book of Philippians? One of the greatest reasons I can give you is that as I was asking the Lord to show me where we were to go, what we were to study, what the body really truly needed to hear next, He took me to the book of Philippians and I read it multiple times over just waiting and asking Him to show me, convince me, this is where we were to be. A, a unique thing happened. How many times have I read this book? How many studies have I personally sat through? And yet there was a new revelation to me. It was this word, all. You know, something we get taught as pastors or teachers early on in a proper hermeneutic, a proper way to study Scripture is when you see an emphasis of a word over and over. Let me give you an illustration of it. When the Lord says, verily, verily, He's not just being redundant, right? You all have heard some of that teaching before. It is a point of emphasis. So when we see a word that happens over and over and over and over just in one letter, how did we miss that? I've never heard a focus on this word all come out of the book of Philippians, and yet it just struck me. And so this is why we've titled this sermon series All In. And so many of us can make the quick leap, can't we? We can make the quick leap to what verse? I can do through Christ or Him who strengthens me. We're finally there. So, this morning... Turn to Philippians 4, if you will, and we will embark and endeavor to see what the Lord has for us. I'm going to go ahead and pray that He gives us insight and wisdom and that the Spirit truly speaks to us along with the Word of God today that we might walk in a deeper way with Him and taste of His wisdom this morning. Let's go to prayer. Father, this morning speak wildly to our needs of understanding what is good, what is right, what is true, whatever is excellent. Speak wildly to those things, those circumstances that seek to destroy, that seek to bring us low. Speak wildly, Father, to those that may be here today that are dispassionate because they have everything. There is no struggle in their life. 
speak, please, Father. We ask this in accordance with your will and by the name of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, this morning, our sermon is appropriately titled, I Can Do All Things. I love I Can Do All Things. So do a lot of people, right? So much so, this is probably the number one marketed statement on t-shirts. Right? How many of you have tennis shoes or basketball shoes? Curry 1s, Curry 7s, Curry 14s. They all say, I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Right? We put it on t-shirts. We do incredible marketing campaigns. Isn't that inspirational? You look at that giant mountain. She's got a backpack on. You know, actually, she's standing in front of a Starbucks just looking at that mountain. She has no intention on climbing it. But, but you know, the implied message is she's going to go up and over that mountain. I can do all things. Man, what is it? What is it you are so lame about that you just haven't been able to conquer, folks? Don't you know that if you know Jesus, you can do it all? You could even climb that mountain. We're going to have Chris lead us on a hiking trip over Mount Diablo later today. How many of you are signing up? Chris is. We can't even take on, what is it, like 1,800 feet? 4,000 feet? Wow, okay, that's more significant. I'm definitely not going. (laughs) We can't even muster the strength to go over Mount Diablo, let alone whatever that is, the Himalayans. Oh, and then for you guys that like that Ed Hardy kind of design, right? They They make shirts for the for the athletes, they make shirts for the guys, and they look really cool, right? They, they make shirts for, for even people who love Snoopy. I didn't know Snoopy loved the cross, but apparently he, do, he does. And this promise applies even to Snoopy. It's such a warm, endearing... Are you catching my sarcasm, folks? Are you starting to get, starting to get a leading as to where we're going today? I love the idea of helping us have a proper understanding because I've been on the improper understanding of things so much in my life and it's cost me dearly. So if this morning we can clarify, if we can clarify what Paul was actually saying here rather than manipulate something to lead us into pathways we have no business wandering down, but pathways that deepen our walk with Christ. How many of you love the story of Peter walking on water? Matthew 14, 28-31. You know, interesting thing about that story. There were multiple people that were in the boat that night, correct? Now, if you remember the story, and I'll just read it to you. Jesus had just fed thousands of people and then he tested the disciples and they still didn't get it and so he actually gets a little frustrated with them and it says he sent them away like he got so frustrated parents can you deal with this he got so frustrated he said go to your room no he said go to the lake get in a boat and get away from me 
So they, they obeyed, and they went out on the lake, and they stayed out there. Why they stayed out there, I don't know, but they stayed out there, and it was dark. And, uh, and then you all know Jesus showed up, and they were scared to death. Some of them thought he was a what? A ghost. So Peter speaks, or the Lord speaks to them, and then Peter, in verse 28, says this, And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. There's your come to Jesus moment straight out of Scripture. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out His hand and took hold of Him, saying to Him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? O oh, Peter, do you not know that you can do all things? It, you know, Bartholomew's like sitting in the stern. And he's like, hey, uh, Peter, did you forget you can do all things? You know what's interesting is, How many of us would have been the group that stayed in the boat? Right? I, I, I can just hear, I can just hear um, Andrew saying, wow, glad that wasn't me. That one's going down in history for all of mankind to hear and see. Wow. Really kind of did it again to yourself there, Peter. Whew. Stayed in the boat. I can maybe hear John say, Man, guys, did you see Peter walk on water? Did you see Peter walk on water? While we stayed in the safe confines of the boat? Hey guys, let's all ask Peter to form a men's group activity next Tuesday and he can disciple us on how to walk on water. Let's just... The fascinating thing is that you can't do all things. Wait a minute, Pastor. The Scripture says I can do all things. No, you can't. No, you can't. And that's really what Paul is saying. So we got to dig pretty deep to figure out why I just said what I said. But the beautiful thing, if you did not catch it, is there were those who stayed in the boat and that's where they were supposed to stay. Right? We call it stay in your lane these days. Maybe in a spiritual sense, we should call it stay in your boat. Right? Who was the only one that we know out of Scripture called out to Jesus? His name is? Peter. And Peter said, Lord, if it is you, ask me to what? Come out on the water. And Jesus was silent and never asked him to do anything, right? No. Why did Peter walk on water? Because Jesus asked Peter to walk on water. He didn't ask Andrew to walk on water. He didn't ask Bartholomew to walk on water. He didn't ask John to walk on water. He asked Peter, and there was a spiritual confidence, faith journey between the Lord and Peter, and the others got to observe, but this was an interpersonal 
exchange between Jesus and Peter. And there was value for everybody in that scenario and situation. But Peter never took a step without the Lord saying what? Come on. Come on. I want you to remember that. Let's turn to the passage this morning. Philippians 4, 10-13. And read along with me as I share with you what Paul has for us today. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. Remember that word concern. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. By the way, when we see any and every, that fits within this context of our entire Philippian study. All. Those are synonymous terms. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And here it comes. I can do all things through Him who what? Strengthens me. Peter walked on the water not because of his own strength. Peter walked on the water not because of the strength of the apostles. Peter walked on the water because of whom? The One who strengthened him. As evidence that when he started looking at the wind and he started looking at the waves... He no longer was engaged with Jesus Christ and therefore what started to happen? What we all would fear would happen. And then he called out to Jesus and Jesus, again, in Jesus' strength, saved Peter. But Paul goes on and he says this, I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Let's talk about some ways to look at this. First of all, really over the next two weeks, we're talking about money. Bet you didn't realize that this verse is locked into the idea of money. Concerned about concern. Now, this is a fancy way to talk about money. But remember that the whole book was written, Paul was where? Let's have fun with this. Paul was where? Quick, speed round. What? Where? What? No, not Corinth. Rome. Prison. How many years? Two. Long time. Prison. Rome. Some people would visit him. Some couldn't visit him. Paul says here, now he's circling back around to his whole reason for writing this letter. And he says what? He says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. Do you know what's going on here? The Philippian church desired to support Paul financially. And at some point there was a hiccup in that where they did not have the resources. They could not in those early moments do it and somehow Paul was aware of it. But they have circled back around somewhere in the span of these two years. They have circled back around and now they were able to muster. I love that word. It's like a piety word, right? They were able to muster a concern. Wait, that's not how we talk. They were able to muster a gift. 
They were able to, let's just get down to it, they were able to pull together some money and send it to Paul. Right? Paul endears the idea of financial support to a personalization. It's not about the money to Paul. It's about their concern. Isn't it beautiful how he words this? So over the next two weeks, we'll be speaking to that much more in depth next week because the text demands it. But I just want to give you the context. Remember why he's saying what he's saying. And so he's praising the Lord that they didn't give up. They refused to give up. Have you ever been in that situation where you wished financially you could do something for the Lord? But in that moment, you couldn't? But then in the next moment, or further down the line, the Lord may give you a different circumstance. And Paul says, blessings upon you for sticking with it. For sticking with it. So this frames what Paul is about to say. Okay? Remember, he's using terminology about being concerned for me. I feel your concern for me. Don't you appreciate that much more when you give a gift? That as you give a gift, you're giving something that comes from a personal place. Rather than just saying, when a person receives a gift, they're looking at it, they're saying, oh, I love... Uh, Jim, what do you love? A tie. Jim's like, oh, I love a tie. I love a good Trump tie. <laughs> so funny. Somebody gave me a Trump tie last year as a gift. And so we, we keep real quiet about it whenever I wear it. And so you all are going to have to guess when I wear my Trump tie. Okay? So Jim doesn't necessarily want a Trump tie, but he want, he's like, a tie. Oh my goodness, this is my favorite color. If you were to be the one that gave Jim the tie... It means something to hear and see his excitement about that, right? Because of his satisfaction for his own self. But when he recognizes that you knew he really liked ties, and you'd care less about ties, but you bought him something that you knew he would love and appreciate, and he comes back to you and says, wow, you really put some thought into this. Thank you so much. This really is special. This is what Paul is saying. It's not just about a monetary gift. It is your concern for me. And I know it came at great sacrifice. And well done because you stuck with it. Now let me help you understand a little bit of teaching that goes with all of this, my friends in Philippi. So he was concerned about concern, financial support. Paul commends the church at Philippi for their gift. Paul is actually using terms to commend the church for the desire to provide. Paul uses concern as a term to recognize their desire or provision. The question this leads us to wrestle with is, how can we personalize a financial gift? Whether it's one we give or whether it's one we receive. So it actually has its deepest meaning and significance. How can we do something like that with, with what God has blessed us with? When we do that, it puts everything into perspective. And that's what Paul's going to transition into here. Content with content. I love that statement because it shows just the absolute 
idiocy of the English language. You poor people in the room that had to learn English, this has to be one of those areas where you're like, you guys really don't get it. Like, content with content. Let me explain that according to what Paul's about to say. Give me some ideas about what contentedness is. Throw it out. Satisfied. Satisfied. What else? Happy. Fulfilled. Good. He's doing great. He must have sat underneath a brilliant teacher for the past few years. Okay. I, I, I heard a happy there as well. What about content? If we're going to throw in this label or this point, content with content, what do you think the content would be with what Paul is saying here? Yes! Give that guy a banana. Your content is your circumstances. It's what life has handed you on any given day. Are you content? Now remember all the definitions you threw out because they were appropriate. Are you content with your content? Because what Paul is about to say is brilliant. This is one of those passages I get goosebumps on because he uses the word secret. This is the deeper stuff, folks. This is the inner chamber. This is the the chronicles uh, of the Jedi kind of stuff. Okay? This is not that which all of you will practice. Each, as believers in Jesus Christ, will be called to this in varied forms. But for us today, to hear how Paul describes this secret, there's a reason he calls it a secret. And yet, Everybody wants to claim the promise, don't they? I can do all things through... Oh, no, you can't. No, you can't. You want to be able to say what Paul said, you have to know the secret. Friday night, we have coming a night to forget. One of the things that will be happening is we'll be playing our own large-scale version of Clue that will lead to a final version now if you don't get the clues right if you don't learn no secrets there's no way you're going to get the prize so as we look at this idea of being content with content i need to change your thinking here a little bit about what paul is actually saying the greek word here for content is the idea of self-reliance i can do it I'm going to pull up my pants. I'm a bootstraps. I don't even know what bootstraps are. But you know what I mean, right? I don't need Jesus. I can get it done. That's one of the biggest challenges that people have ever to faith. Just this week I heard about somebody that believes this is all about a weakness. That those who have faith in Jesus Christ are weak people who can't do it on their own. Have you ever heard that? What's fascinating is this individual knows a lot of really strong believers and they would never say that's a weak person. So their argument comes from somewhere else. Somewhere deep. 
the challenge we have is this idea of self-reliance. How much of the concept of self-reliance is tied into this statement, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? How much have we heard an individual say about a dream of theirs, and then they claim this promise, and they say, I can do this. And we have a society now that says you can be anything you want, right? No, you can't. Who started propagating that? I cannot be, let's just start talking about it openly. Let's just be open about it. What can't I be? You have permission just to say it. <laughs> Go ahead. Look, I'll take the bullet. Go, Dave. You can't be in the NBA. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I have a contract that says they don't allow this kind of talent at that level. And that can be understood in a lot of different ways. What else can't I do? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Let's just review last week. I gave away my pie. I gave away my pie. You're right. I can't be a vegan. Okay, what else? Can't be a woman. Can't be a woman. What else? What'd you say? Oh, I thought you said attractive. <laughs> I just want to make sure what I heard. <laughs> okay, all right. Brothers and sisters, the point is we have, we have maligned this passage for inspiration. It is meant to be inspirational. Don't, don't conflate that. It is meant to be inspirational. But so much of the time we take the Lord out of the equation. And that's why individuals like the one I had just mentioned refuses to work outside of the world of self-reliance. Because somewhere along the line they got a misunderstanding. By the way, that will be our new sermon series. The Misunderstood God. Okay? And it will go through the end of May. Somewhere along the line, this individual misunderstood God and got disappointed. And so therefore, their faith was stolen, like, like Jesus said, the seed stolen out of the ground. Right? But it was not because God failed. It was because of a misunderstanding of how all of this works. So what Paul is saying here is that this contentedness in the Greek as he uses it has everything to do with self-reliance. That's how the word was used then. Paul is, um, Paul is really saying his circumstances aren't satisfi satisfied in his power necessarily. The reality is that he raised much of his own money so as not to be a burden, but he would give the credit to the Lord because ultimately Paul could recognize the Father's hand of provision in all things. So you have someone who has refused for the most part to accept financial gift, but here he's being given financial gift. When he's in a situation, he cannot be self-reliant. Do we start to unlock the secret here of what Paul is really trying to get to? Even Paul realized, being who he was, there is a fallacy to being self-reliant. It only goes so far. But you know what? If you don't want to go out of the boat, and maybe have a little sinking moment, and that's all you can remember about that experience, 
then you're going to retract and you're going to say, I'm more comfortable doing some things, not all things, just doing some things and being self-reliant. This, my friends, is the challenge. This is why I brought up the illustration of Peter. I think all of us in our hearts wish that we could walk on water. But I think a lot of us think, yeah, I'm more a Bartholomew. You know, somebody's got to hold the rudder while Peter's out there walking around. Understand, only one guy was called to get out of the boat that night. But all of those individuals would eventually be called to that level of faith where self-reliance would not exist. Every one of those that were in the boat that night understood what it means to be strengthened by Christ in all things. Paul was content with his content. Paul is ultimately saying that he has learned to live with whatever he has. He can do this not because of his own power, but because of this secret he speaks to. Remember, let me, let me review it here. Verse 12, I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And then he gives it away. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. So much of the time we switch grammatically the primary noun, the major subject of that sentence, and we make it about us on the front side when the primary focus and the primary noun, the primary subject is whom? Jesus Christ. A proper rendering of this, brothers and sisters, let me just get to the point, is I can do whatever Christ calls me to do. Wow, that was so good. I, I, I'm stumbling over. I mean, like, we should re-hit that a couple times before I finish today. Okay, hold on to that. Can we do all things? Can we give credit to God when life is full and abundant? What? What? Right? I make the touchdown. Right? I don't know if he's pointing at a hawk or the blimp or, you know, what? But, but then afterwards, you know, the, the, the interview, I, I, and then all the Christian community is like, yeah, did you hear that testimony? He gave credit to the Lord. It's fantastic. Now you're all praying because you heard the popping. We're all right. We're all right. The reality that Paul speaks of here is giving the credit to the Lord when life is full and abundant. This is rare. Because if we're not content in a spiritual proper way, we're content in that sense of the Greek, the self-reliance. And this is the age-old problem between God and man, is that when everything is full, when everything is abundant, I no longer need who? I don't know. I no longer need God. If you search the Scriptures, this is the age-old problem where man starts to spiral down when they become, quote-unquote, self-reliant, no longer needing God, and guess what they cannot do? They cannot face the adversity that's now around the corner. And they wonder, how did I go from this to this? 
One of the reasons is because they never knew where this came from. They never gave credit to where this came from. They never appropriately used this and where it came from for Him. You see, there's an interesting idea that if we have a proper perspective of being content in Christ, it shapes our abundance. Amen? It shapes our blessing. Can we give credit to God when life makes us low or we're in need? You know, that's the one we always hear about, right? Christ came for the lowly. Christ came for those who are sick and suffering. Absolutely, He did. So there's, there's a balance to the equation, my friends. Whether Paul says, whether I had everything, and, and life was full, and, and actually the way that the word should be rendered is overflowing. Or whether it was to be made low. And, and we'll get into this in a second. He said, I know the secret to this. Let's continue on. Learning to be humbled. Let's just break this out real quickly. So he says, I've, I've learned how to be content, satisfied, fulfilled in Christ, even when things are bad. Paul is saying that he remembers. Now remember, remember this. Remember, remember. Remember that we're saying, we're using the terminology, remember. We're going to come up to it on the next point. It's very, very important in understanding this secret. Paul is saying he remembers because of his experiences of being made low or being without, truly humbled. How many of you have made decisions later in life based off of humble circumstances early on in life? It has shaped how you speak to people. It has shaped the disciplines and the rhythms of your life. It has shaped your pursuit of Christ. It has maybe even shaped your desire to be here today. Paul spends years and years in prison. He calls on Felix to send him to Rome when he was being tried and spent years in Caesarea in jail. His life is spared because of others interceding, including a Roman soldier. How improbable is that? He's lowered down the side of a wall in the middle of the night in Damascus because his life is in danger. And on and on and on it goes. He even had to face the apostles having killed their friends. When Paul says he knows what it's like to be fulfilled, even when he's had low times, now that starts to give definition to I can do all things through Christ who what? Strengthens me. Peter had to face the humiliation and trauma of almost drowning. His distraction, his lack of faith, his second guessing, a passionate and determined action of faith to step out of the boat. Many of us are too scared or too nervous because we know that he sunk a little bit. Can I just tell you, this is part of the secret that Paul's talking about. This is part of where it separates out those who truly want to pursue a life where Christ is strengthening us in all things because it is a disciplined pursuit. It is not a haphazard, I signed up, I'm a member. Now there is that. There's 11 other guys sitting in the boat and they're all fine guys. But somehow, in this moment in time, Jesus engaged with Peter and called him to something what? Greater. What if he had just stayed in the boat? Lord, if it's you, ask me to... Well, yeah, 
Let me rethink that. That may not go so well. Lord, if it is you, just say hi. I get it. I reference Peter, but I can stand as one before you that has been in circumstances of abundance and circumstances that are low. And I can tell you, my wife and I know what it means when Paul says, I know what it means to be content in all circumstances. There is such a beauty to this idea because it forces you to have the hand of Christ, for you to call out for Christ and have His hand extended to you and pull you up and set your feet on the rock. The key for each of us this morning is what is He calling you to moment by moment? Don't try to live my life and I won't try to live your life where we are reliant. Now watch, this is the tricky part of this. We're reliant on what? each other that's not what paul's talking about paul's talking about eradicating his dependency on all these people he's talking about eradicating his dependency on himself and he's saying i choose to be content with one thing and that's the lord's provision in my life that's a heavy heavy path but it is a freeing path is this what you thought you were going to get today? So, learning to be stuffed. Paul is saying that he remembers because of his experiences of being overflowing with blessing. That's, that is a great rendering of what Paul is talking about. Paul understood what overflowed looks like. I was out with one of my kids on Valentine's Day. Stopped by say hi, and then invited them to lunch at Zachary's Pizza. Love Zachary's Pizza. I ordered the vegan plate. No, I didn't. I did not. I went full-blown pepperoni. And, uh, you know, I had a great interaction with, with my daughter, Jericho, and then saw an elderly couple come in, probably in their late 80s, and... Uh, he was wearing a cap of service, um, military service, and they weren't getting a lot of attention. So as we were leaving, I turned to the gal behind the counter, wanting to know that my daughter was watching this all the while, right? And I asked the gal, I said, is there any way for me to pay for their lunch, even though they haven't even ordered their lunch? And she's trying to figure out, she goes, well, if you leave your card number with me, and I'm like, <laughs> uh, and I literally prayed, Lord, you led me to do this because I'm trying to disciple my daughter in the moment. I trust you. And I said, okay, yeah, I'll leave you my card number. My wife checks in with me a couple days later. Hey, babe, I know you really like to eat. But $68 of pizza? And I went, don't! <laughs> and then we start talking about, well, somebody got a nice tip. Or, or maybe they ordered for their whole family and took it on the road. Or, 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 and we're trying to do all this self-reliance. 
And the Spirit took me back to, what did I ask you to do? And how much is it worth for your daughter to see the practical outworking of Christ? I can replace your 68 lousy dollars. Right? So if you so feel led, um, make checks out too. No, just... (laughs) Learning to be stuffed. See, that was a great illustration for that point. Well, let me take us to Yellow Brick Roads. If I say Yellow Brick Road, that takes you to what story out of Americana? Yes. Now they get to the wizard, and they pull back the curtain, and it's a charlatan pulling levers and hitting smoke and doing all this stuff. And what happens to all of these characters? They feel so sad because they can't get what they wanted out of life. Right? They can't get what they went on this this journey down the yellow brick road for. But what happens? Somebody does a speech there. Right? And says, you don't need to rely on this fake charlatan wizard. Mr. Lion, you wanted courage? Let me tell you all the courageous things you did on the yellow brick road. And all of a sudden he realized, because I chose to go on the journey, courage was given to me because of my circumstances. And the same thing with the tin man. And the same thing with the monkeys. And the same thing with the Oompa Loompas. And the... But, oh, I totally lost you at Oompa Loompa. <laughs> Whatever. I know it's two different stories, but the point is this, brothers and sisters, is that you are on that road. As a believer in Jesus Christ, anyone who claims Christ to look at this, this statement, I can do all things. You know, how many times in that story did the tin man say, I can't, I can't. How many times did the lion say, I can't, I can't. The straw man say, I can't, I can't. Dorothy say, I can't. We do this so much of the time because we rely on others. But you know, it's that yellow brick road. Do you know what the the heavenly roads look like? They're gold. That's as far as I'm going to take that illustration. I can't really connect the, the dots beyond that, but... The point is simple. Is that when I, when I hear this statement that Paul says I can do all things, whether it's, it's during hard times or good times, it's because Jesus calls me to walk down that road. Jesus calls me to get out of the boat. And if I'm where Jesus called me, guess what? I can do whatever He asks me to do. Now, if I get outside of that area, or I try to do something that only the tin man was asked to do. Right? Failure. Now I want to blame who? I want to blame God. Is it God's fault? It's not God's fault. It's not God's fault. That's why we're going to do a series on a misunderstood God. In closing today, in Christ, I can thrive in any, every, all circumstances. This is a testimony more than it is a promise. I need you to hear that point. What is a biblical promise? Brothers and sisters, 
Let your request rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. Let your request be made known to God with thanksgiving. And take all of your prayers, all of your requests, and lay them before Him. And then what? The peace of God will guard over your hearts and souls and your minds in Christ Jesus. That is a biblical promise. What does this statement start with? I. I. I can do all... He's trying to teach the Philippian church about giving and what his life has been like because... Now let's take it back to the context of the whole story. Let's pull out and look with a bird's eye view. He acknowledges that they were feeling badly that they couldn't help him earlier. Does that make sense? He's trying to teach them and disciple them. Brothers and sisters, it's okay. God took care of me. And now, in this moment, He's taking care of me through your revived concern. But you need not feel guilty about this part back here. I know it's hard. I know you didn't know how I was going to be taken care of. But God took care of me. Because I'm doing what He's called me to do. In Christ, I can thrive. This is a testimony. It's not a promise for us to bandy around and slap on the front of a t-shirt. It is a reminder of all the instruction prior that we find difficult, the secret that needs to be revealed, the effort that is earned by walking down that road, then you get to say in testimony, I, what, can do all things that Christ calls me to and strengthens me in. This morning as I finish, let me just tell you there's a second part to Peter getting out of the boat. Because you may hear this passage and you may be confused and say, well, well then I'm not going to try to do anything. No, you, my brothers and sisters, and myself, being believers in Jesus Christ, called to a life of honor and worship and obedience to Him, we can go to Him and we can say, if you call me to do this, I will do it. And you will give me the strength to do it. Just like Paul was teaching. But there are moments where it doesn't look the same. There are moments where it looks a little different. And then we start to get a little confused. Can I share that moment with you so you don't get submerged when it comes to this idea? Jesus has risen from the dead. He goes to the Sea of Galilee. He sends the disciples ahead. And in John 21, 4-8, we have the testimony of this. Jesus is on the seashore. The disciples have been out fishing all night long. He starts in a conversation with them. They don't really recognize Him. And He tells them how to fish. And because they do and they obey with how He says, this is how you should fish, all night long, nothing, 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 nothing. And then all of a sudden, because of Him and what He calls them to do, what happens? Their nets are filled. I know what it's like to trust the Lord when we're not catching anything. And I know what it's like to trust Him when all of a sudden our nets are full. And John was the first one that recognized this was Jesus. But what happens? The guy can't contain himself. He can't help it. And when Peter realizes that it's Jesus, it says he puts his garments on 
because he was prepared for fishing, puts on his garments, and he didn't wait for the boat to get to shore. He jumped out of the boat again. You could just hear the disciples saying, oh, here he goes again. Can I just tell you? He didn't walk on water this time, folks. Same Christ. But Christ didn't call him to come out on the water in that moment. That's why there's no deflation of Peter and Christ's relationship here. But do we do that when it comes to living in the secret of that, the depth of our relationship with Christ? That we have this magnanimous moment where God does something incredible in our lives and then we say, this is how it will always be as long as I'm obeying Christ. No. No, that is not. You just follow what He calls you to do. By the way, do we have a lot of Scripture right after that where it says Peter was griping to the Lord saying, hey man, I was looking right at you. How come I couldn't walk this time? Do you see me? I'm soaked. I'm going to have to dry this stuff now. No Scripture that says that. Peter wasn't bent out of shape because the Lord didn't call him to jump out of the boat. Now, he wasn't sinning by jumping out of the boat. It was an expression of his love. It's a different moment. It's a different circumstance. God will give you, Christ will give you, the Spirit will give you what you need in the different circumstances so that you have the strength to do what he wants for you. Amen? That's it. And the last statement is this. It's amazing to walk on water, but only when you're called to do it. Let me finish in prayer this morning. Father, we thank You for the blessedness of Paul's instruction here. I pray that the message was clear today. Not one that leaves us feeling a little damaged or hopeless, but one that clears up maybe some questions. One that hopefully gives us a a deeper understanding that if if we want to go down this road of experiencing You in deeper ways, we need to listen to Your voice and we need to put ourselves in position to whatever You would have us do. And that it will never look the same. But that the relationship, the glory, will always be the same if it is in Your strength. Speak beyond what I can say today. Speak to each person so that we know what that means. That I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Thank you, Father. Amen.